Hey, this is Kiran Agrawal from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Peter Cummings with us from Plan to Beak Athletes have won ten national championships. While Peter has achieved race personal results, he believes that his athletes' results speak for the ability of him as a coach. He has so many accomplishments and accolades with him. With that being said, let's hear it from Peter from Buffalo, New York. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kiran. We know a lot about you. We have listened. We have heard. We have read a lot about you. Let's begin with your journey. Tell us where did it all start? When did you choose coaching? I have to say, I guess my original influence was my father. He was a little league American football coach, so he worked with young men that were between the age of ten and fourteen years old, and he did that for about about ten years. So that one of my earliest memories were was going to football practice where I played on the side with my brothers and young friends, and my father was coaching the football team and. I really didn't understand what coaching was other than I knew what my father did and a bunch of other adult males did and uh, but over time I became old enough to play on the team and over time I also then realized what an impact my father had on what were young men that became adults in fact to this day I still run into 65-year-old men that were a little older than me that played with my father and they tell me what an impact my father had on their life. So in the early late 1980s, early 1990s, when I gravitated towards exercise physiology and health, I started to realize that some of the things that I was learning, many of the things that I was learning in college applied towards health. So I started to move in that direction of helping people achieve their goals through what I was learning. And I don't know if I even realized what an impact my father had, but every day when I run into those adults, I guess I learn a little bit more about the the motivation behind how I got here. Wow. So that's a touching story, Peter. If you can now elaborate on the clients that you tend to work with, who are your typical clients? Are there any kind to it? What are they trying to achieve? That's, I guess that's interesting too, because as I just described, with the exercise and health I was learning in college, I really first gravitated towards exercise and the use of exercise and the understanding of physiology of health. So that's where I really focused. And then as I got a little older, I got involved in the sport of cycling again through my father and realized I was pretty decent at it. And I really enjoyed it. I was working out in the gym mostly, and then I applied that youth and fitness and fit strength to the sport of cycling. And so now, while you mentioned Plan to Peak, I worked with mostly 30-plus-year-old individuals, professionals, adults that are learning the sport of cycling and are gravitating towards this as something that they want to do. But in the, the long term, I've always thought of exercise and nutrition as healthcare. So actually, we have a, a secondary business called Restore Medical Fitness, and we work with chronic disease patients. So these are the adults, the 35-plus-year-old adults that have, are starting to develop weight gain, hypertension, prediabetes. And so we've I get to work with both sides of the coin. Basically, I get to work with overachievers that like to work hard and are highly motivated to achieve some type of athletic-type goal. And then I work with 
chronic disease patients that are just trying to learn how to take care of themselves so that they don't have to live their life on medication. They're very different and they're very much the same. Of course, they are very different and they are very much the same. Uh, of course, the common path uh, includes what it includes is training and exercise. Can you please now tell us about what exercise can do in terms of daily routines, in terms of life, not just in physical aspect, but in other aspects of life? I don't think people really understand the impact of maintaining a, I, I guess, adequate level of card fitness means to their overall health and quality of life. Now, my athletes, they do. They enjoy it. They enjoy feeling strong. They're motivated to do the work to keep themselves strong and highly fit. But the patients that come to us, their fitness, their cardiorespiratory fitness is getting to a level that is almost putting them in a category of functionally dependent upon others to do daily activities of life. And I'm talking about shopping, maybe cutting their lawn or shoveling as we were talking about Buffalo. And these people have a, a dependency and it, it takes just a, a, a little bit of time consistently to maintain a good level of cardiorespiratory fitness. And that in, it involves strength too. So being able to move, not being inflamed so that your joints ache. But cardiorespiratory fitness, many people don't realize this, but it is the very best predictor of mortality. If you had two twins and one had a higher level of cardiorespiratory fitness, the one with a higher level of cardiorespiratory fitness has a much greater chance of longer mortality. And that predictor is better than the history of smoking, the history of cardiovascular disease, the history of diabetes, obesity, hypertension, anything that you could really look at and measure in, in a healthcare setting. Cardiorespiratory fitness is the very best predictor, even cancer. So if you have two twins and one had a history of cancer where the other one had poor cardiorespiratory fitness, odds are the, the one with the poor cardiorespiratory fitness has a lower mortality or, or has a, a shorter predicted lifespan. So I find it to be very interesting that in normal healthcare, we don't prioritize the assessment of people's fitness and trying to guide them towards a better maintenance of at least a minimal level so that they can live long and healthy and have a good quality of life. So something that you mentioned on just now and made sure that everybody understands it is cardiorespiratory fitness, right? Can you please tell us about some exercises, what to do to make sure that we are cardio? The research is pretty strong in that you can maintain good levels of cardiorespiratory fitness through both aerobic training or resistance training. Aerobic training for the audience would be walking, running, bicycling, cross-country skiing. So anything where you're using a lot of your muscle groups, usually to propel yourself, through snow, through the air, through the water, swimming. And this stimulates the cardiorespiratory system and the muscles and elicits some level of cardiorespiratory fitness improvement. Where resistance training usually involves either body weight or pushing a pull, lifting, pulling some, something, whether it's yourself or an object or weight, to stimulate muscle growth, lean muscle growth. And this also elicits a cardiorespiratory fitness response. So the use of respiratory, or sorry, resistance training also stimulates cardiorespiratory fitness. It, it seems the data shows that a blend of both is actually the best. A 20 minute walk and some push-ups and squats, uh, even if it's body weight, pull up, push up, things like that are examples of resistance training that you can benefit from. 
So both stimulate cardiorespiratory fitness, maintenance and improvement. Totally. The aerobic mo movements and then the resistance training, both of them are very important. Now let's come to the mindset because now we understand what to do. Now there should be a why behind it, right? Of course, if it is on your life, then you then there of course needs to be a why and you have to put in. But for most of our listeners today, right, they want to, let's say, put in that effort but are unable to. They are finding a reason not to do it or so on and so forth. What do you suggest? What should be the mindset there and how to get, get the work done? It's very interesting that you mentioned that. That's so important. With the athletes, it's so much easier. So I mentioned that they're slightly different, yet there's things that are exactly the same. The athlete is already motivated. They, the reason they're reaching out to me is they have expectations of they just want to be able to ride with the fast group or the group of friends that they have, and they can't do it now. They want to win an event or something like that, or they have a time that they want to beat in a time trial, for instance. The patient, on the other hand, that comes to me because they've gained weight, have hypertension, maybe diabetic, many are frustrated and they don't realize what proper exercise, nutrition, and, and health coaching can do to achieve that goal. They know they just don't like being sick. You, you, As a coach, you need to use psychological skills to try and understand where the individual that you're working with is coming from. For instance, I've had so many people come in, patients that are looking for guidance towards health, that will say things like, many people, I have to say, that are, fall into that category. They may be getting sick differently, but most have gained weight, and they associate the weight gain with, with their illness. In the cons consultation, I ask them, what would they like to achieve? Most would say, I would like to lose weight. And I would ask them that question, why? And many would answer me, isn't it obvious? Because I'm sitting there talking to a a large person that's carrying around many kilograms and pounds of excess weight. And they don't understand that I, I understand how obesity affects, it negatively affects your health. But what I'm really asking is what you're getting to, which is what is your personal motivation to do that? Why don't you like being overweight? How is it negatively impacting your life? How do you envision that weight loss affecting your quality of life? What would you do differently if you didn't have this weight? How might your life be different? And try to get the individual to envision what achieving this goal would really mean to them other than I just lost 30 pounds. What does that mean to you? I have difficulty cutting my toenails. I can't tie my shoes. I don't like the way I look. I would like to feel confident. Those types of whys, the meaning behind that helps to develop the motivating vision of what could be. And then as a coach, you use your expertise to give people direction towards activities and behaviors, changes to their current habits towards achieving those goals. And as a coach, when you give good advice and hold the person accountable to their own vision and remind them of that vision, you can guide them towards those successes. And it's very rewarding. It sure is rewarding for the coach when you see the client's life change because in all, what's happening is the way that they look at life is changing, the way that they feel about life is changing, the way that they feel about themselves is changing. Of course, it's rewarding. Peter, do you have any steps, methodologies, strategies, 
methods that you tend to lean on when you work with clients, either patients or athletes? I guess it first begins with a level of expertise to understand how to actually achieve the goals. But as a coach, if you're talking about coaching skills, you don't really use that when you interact with the patient as much because the skill part of it, you better know. Because if you're going to tell a patient you need to do X, Y, and Z, and you're not confident that if that patient does X, Y, and Z, that the patient is going to move towards their vision, then you should probably go back to school and learn what will actually achieve the outcomes first. That's the expertise part of coaching. The coaching part, the art of coaching, is what we just touched upon, is the why and holding people accountable and helping them to self to identify their obstacles. Many people don't even realize they keep making the same mistakes. They don't identify them as mistakes. And as a coach, try and get them to solve their own problems because ultimately down the road, they're going to run into barriers that they need to identify, create a plan to overcome that. And that's when the person becomes self-efficient. And that's what all coaches should be working towards, is turning that person into a self-efficient person that not only achieves the goals, but understand what got them there and why it's important to continue the behaviors that they learned. With athletes, I guess I rely on the understanding of physiology and periodized training so that you're not always trying to use volume or intensity or tapering to help your athlete peak for a certain priority event. And then I guess with with patients, I think one of the more successful strategies that we've identified is the reduction of processed foods and also the reduction of carbohydrates in Archie to bring about a, a shift towards a really good understanding of how metabolically dependent we are on putting proper foods in our mouth, but also my belief that exercise is critical. Totally. What you have said, shared there is a golden nugget when it comes to making sure that you stick with what you have to do and making sure that the actions that you are t- taking are turning into a behavior. Because if yes. that happens and it happens to, it becomes a habit, it is much more sustaining than just trying it for one or two days. Peter, tell us about some client success stories. So, someone that you... Uh, you mentioned some of our national championships and obviously... That is super rewarding. I think when we think of sport and we see the coach and the athlete joyously celebrating a victory, that's easy to envision. But with other athletes who maybe not as physically gifted, sometimes the success is hearing that the person I was working with was able to ride with a group that they previously were unable to ride with. To me, that is as big a success as the individual who came to me to win a national championship or a state championship, those people uh, may be a little bit more physically gifted, but to the individual that's putting time and effort and energy and work into, I would like to ride with my friends and I can't keep up with them right now, six, eight months next to the next year to help them actually achieve that is just as much of a victory as it is winning that national championship. And the same holds true for a patient. When you get to help a patient achieve drug-free remission of their type 2 diabetes, where their blood glucose is normal, they're no longer on any medications, they're no longer hypertensive, and they're no longer on any medications, that is just as rewarding to me. And and we've published a paper recently about that exact case study that I just mentioned with that, that patient. He was 70 years old and he came to us because he was working very hard. He was walking 20,000 steps a day, which works out to be about 
five miles or eight kilometers every single day. He saw a dietitian that gave him advice that was inappropriate to put his diabetes in remission. And uh, he and his wife were very structured in their lifestyle and their eating habits, but they, it wasn't helping them to achieve. So this goes back to understanding that the advice you give better help the person achieve the goal because those directions that he was given were leaving him as a, an overweight hypertensive. He was on the verge of becoming obese. And when he started working with us, within five or six weeks, he was off his medications and medications that he was on for 12 years. Wow. And this month, December on 2023, is three-month anniversary of him reversing his diabetes and no longer being a diabetic that's dependent on medication. So I, that's a huge success. And I was able to publish that in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine and, and share that and, and let people know the, the impact that we can make on people's lives as coaches and exercise professionals and, and nutrition professionals. Because I, when I envisioned when I started my journey when I was in college of helping people, that's what I envisioned was helping people to avoid that first and foremost, but also if they were there, and this is when they started their journey with us, is to restore their health. And that's where the name Restore Medical Fitness came from. Wow, Restore Medical Fitness. And that's very important, life transformative, I must say, because three months and reversed, reversed diabetes. Wow. Peter, people are getting curious now. They want to reach out to you. So please tell us about some ways of getting a hold of you. For the athlete who's trying to achieve a running goal or a triathlon goal or a cycling goal, you can go to my website, plantopeak.com. The name of the business is the Plan to Peak Endurance Sport Coaching. And I have information on there regarding, I have free articles about how to deal with being sick. I often joke that the worst and most miserable person is an athlete that's ill or hurt. But understanding how you have to give yourself recovery during that time period is important. So I've written some articles that are there for athletes, and you can read more about my coaching business there. So if you're trying to achieve some type of physical performance, I do consulting, I do training plan creation, and I also coach people on a monthly basis. And then from a patient side, if you're dealing with weight gain and hypertension and the, the threat of going on statin medications or blood pressure medications, and you would like to find more of a holistic and homeopathic natural way to do that. We do remote lifestyle modification programs, and uh, you can find that information at restoremedicalfitness.com. And what we do there is we have an app that allows us to communicate with our patients, guide them through the process of lifestyle modification. And as you mentioned, and I think this is the important part, is we have to develop different habits. And it takes a little time, a few months, but through education, guidance, goal setting, and accountability to those goals, trying to identify the obstacles that are holding them back and make a plan to overcome them, we're highly successful at helping people achieve their health goals and returning them to a level of health that they many times don't, never envisioned they would ever achieve again in their life. So both are rewarding and we'd love to work with either patients or athletes and that's what we do. Athletes go to plantopeak.com and patients restore medicalfitness.com. Do reach out guys, Peter comments. Next question, Peter, tell us about goal setting 
and goal getting how to set goals now new year is coming so tell us about that how to set goals appropriately so that we are fit mentally and also physically yeah this is a really important part like i said with with the athlete they're highly motivated so setting goals for them is very easy you put anything in front of the athlete they're willing to not only achieve that but give me a few more goals the patient on the other hand because we're talking about major changes in lifestyle is a little bit more difficult but both the goal the goal setting process with either patient or athlete begins with as i said an expertise you you should understand the process to help people achieve their goal whether the athlete it's a different exercise more exercise less exercise weight training versus maybe the cyclist isn't as strong as they need to be maybe they've got decent aerobic fitness, but they're not strong. So you need to work on their strength, whatever the case may be, you need to be able to assess where their weakness is and understand what changes to their exercise prescription will help them achieve their goal. And with the patient, it's a, a good understanding of how to build strength and aerobic fitness and metabolically correct what's been going on with their health. It begins with an expertise and then it, it comes down to that. What we were talking about is the motivation. So with the patient, you better have a really good vision and remind that vision to the patient as you set goals. And goals should be kept simple and achievable, but also help the patient or the individual achieve the goal ultimately. They need to also build a confidence level that they can achieve the goal. So many times with a patient, we start off with three simple goals. We find that people are drinking their calories or, or drinking sugar-sweetened beverages, and they don't drink any water. So while as simple as that sounds, like to my athletes, it's, it, it would sound laughable. But to the patient, to try and get them to develop a habit of drinking water throughout the day while avoiding sugar-sweetened be beverages, it's like a twofold. It, it sounds like one goal to hydrate the body but we get them to reduce the glucose index that they keep pumping down their throat with in the form of sugar-sweetened beverage while simultaneously rehydrating them. But we understand from the expertise side that people in a dehydrated, over-sugared state are very unhealthy people. So it's not, as simple as it sounds, getting people to just make that one simple switch can be extremely impactful. In fact, we have an example. We had one woman who was drinking two liter bottles of sugar-sweetened beverage daily. And that was one of her habits. She drank zero water. And we got, she was becoming diabetic. She was already carrying a lot of weight. We got her to stop drinking the soda and drink water instead. And she lost 12 pounds in one week. Wow. So understanding what type of goal will help the person get there is important. And helping them to understand that goal will help you achieve that. But then also with goal setting, you have to work on accountability. So following up with them is whether or not they actually did that. And if they didn't, ask them why and ask them how they can overcome. Why didn't they do it? it that obstacle. I was busy. I didn't think about it. I, I haven't developed a habit yet. And I don't like the, I don't like the taste of water because I liked my sugar sweetened beverage. And helping them to overcome those barriers with goal setting is a really important part of the goal setting process. Wow. So there goes a lot of thinking in goal setting progress. And once the goal is set, of course, there is goal getting. The, a lot of accountability comes in working with the coach when they are trying to accomplish that goal and accountability leads to success. Peter, final question for the day. Tell us about the action steps. What do you suggest the listener does after hearing this conversation 
to grow in life. For the athletes, if they have something they really want to achieve, you have to have a plan. You should find someone to help you with that plan. I don't think many people understand how much a good coach becomes a part of your team. They become invested in your success, whether it be as a patient or as a, an athlete. We become a valuable team member that is trying to help you achieve your goals. Build a team of people around you that look at the people in your life that support you versus the people that are becoming part of a problem, maybe, and trying to distance yourself from people that are encouraging you towards a behavior that's not conducive to your goal. Hire a coach and set realistic goals for yourself. They don't have to be huge. They just have to be realistic. And you have to be confident that by achieving that goal, you are going to move towards your vision. And, and for the patient, I think they have to take a look at you know what's going on with their health and maybe stop blaming the aging process on everything. I think there's people would be shocked to find out how much control they have over their health trajectory. I think the message for those people are also is to tie in with what I just said, is to have a little bit more hope or find hope. Find people that know what they're doing or achieving goals and successes in health like we are and start gravitating towards those people and that, that information and those behaviors that will change that trajectory. Because drug-free remission of type 2 diabetes is possible. Stopping prediabetes from progressing to type 2 diabetes is almost certain if you do the right things. Reversing hypertension and obesity can be done without the use of medications. If you get the right advice, if you get the right support, if you get the right guidance, and you create the right behaviors. So have hope, get help, create a team of people around you that support you, and make sure that you have someone or some information source that is reliable, that have achieved the results that you would like to achieve. Totally, totally. And expertise is important. Today we had Peter Cummings with us. Peter can help you if you're an athlete, go to plantopeak.com. You may also go to restoremedicalfitness.com if you think that you need help with as a patient, if you think that some things are not right for you at this point. Thank you so much, Peter, for such a great conversation. It was a pleasure to meet you today and an honor to host you. Thank you. Thank you for asking and, and thank you for sharing this time and sharing my message with your audience. I guess if there's one thing I'd like to say in closing is in the United States, there's a, a movement towards self-funded insurers that employers are engaging in the risk management and the health care of their employees and Restore Medical Fitness is now delivering this to employers for their employees. So if there's any employers out there that are looking for solutions uh, and cost savings, Restore Medical Fitness is also an avenue to reach out. So thank you very much for having me. Got it. Got it. So do that, employers. If you have that, reach out to Peter. Peter, thank you so much again. With that said, I am your host, Kiran Agrar, signing off for the day. You guys take care. Bye.